Hello and thank you for joining us for another episode of Nice Talks. My name is Nick Turner and today we'll be looking at a clinical area which almost everyone in the country has been affected by one way or another. Whether a family member, a friend or a colleague, practically everybody knows someone who has unfortunately suffered from breast cancer. Breast cancer is the most common form of cancer in women in the UK with over 55,000 diagnoses per year. Today I'm joined by Professor Andrew Wardley from the Christie Hospital Manchester to discuss the impact of family history when it comes to breast cancer and how to spot the early signs. Andrew. Good afternoon, Nick. Thank you for joining us today. I appreciate you're a busy man. If you just give us a bit of a background about um, your clinical background and the positions you hold. Yeah, thank you, Nick. Um, I'm Andrew Wardley. I'm a breast cancer medical oncologist at the Christie Hospital in Manchester, where I've worked as a consultant since 2001. I developed the breast cancer research team at the Christie, and we um, contribute significantly to putting lots of patients into clinical trials because clinical trials are the way forward for advancing treatments not only in breast cancer but in other cancers. Fantastic. So how long has the Cancer Research Centre for Breast Cancer been here now? Uh, so we have a long tradition of doing breast cancer research at the Christie Hospital. Uh, we were the first hospital to give the drug tamoxifen, which has made a huge difference to outcomes for patients with breast cancer over many years across the world. Uh, and is probably one of the, the blockbuster drugs for improving breast cancer outcomes. And we've taken the approach that developing new treatments and putting them into practice is very important for us and very important for the people that we look after. One of the things we were thinking about looking at today um, is the significance of familial histories when it comes to diagnosis. Um, you know, when would you take a family history or is it, what's the process that you would go through? So every person that we see with breast cancer, we take a family history because that's important to understand uh, from the family point of view and the uh, patient's relatives as to whether they need some uh, testing uh, that might help us to um, point them in certain directions. It's also important for the individual concerned because it does sometimes change the treatment pathway uh, and what we do for patients. So you might change the surgical choices, you might change the drug treatment choices, and for certain uh, genetic abnormalities, you might think about whether or not you should be using radiotherapy. So it's very important. Well, it's, it's interesting you, you should touch on the genetic element there because you know, recent years we've had quite high-profile high cases. If you take uh, Angelina Jolie, for example, who had the uh, BRCA1 gene mutation, she was was told by her clinicians that she would probably have an 87% chance of developing breast cancer at some point in her life. How aware do you think women should be of these things and, and when they should be thinking about going for screenings? Well, screening is clearly very important for picking up uh, breast cancer at an early stage. Um, finding any cancer as soon as possible and treating it as early as possible makes uh, that cancer much more likely to be effectively treated. So I would advise any woman who is invited for screening that they should try and make that screening appointment. If it doesn't fall at a time that's suitable for them, please rearrange uh, that appointment because it is very important. In, in NICE guidance, it states that a second degree family history needs to include paternal as well as maternal relatives. So what's, what's the, um, the rationale behind that? So we all inherit genes from our mother and our father and you get typically one half of each gene from each parent. 
and genes can be those genes can be transmitted either from the father's side or the mother's side. So if uh, the outcome of the genetic abnormality is to have, for instance, breast cancer, it's clearly much likely more likely to be manifest in the female side of the family than in the male side of the family. Uh, but it can still be passed from the man to his daughter or indeed his son and subsequently on to uh, next generations of, of the family. A family history of male breast cancer is very important because that is very often associated with particularly BRCA2 mutations. Oh really? If, if there's a, a male history of breast cancer in yeah. the family, that would be yeah. a, an instant alarm bell. If, yes, yeah. indeed. And there are some other uh, cancers that can be related to particularly BRCA1 and 2. And the other thing to be aware of is that if there's a, a history of a variant cancer and breast cancer in the family, that's also very important. But what sort of improvements in treatment and um, clinical understanding have you seen sort of in your time practicing? So I've been uh, very much part of that change uh, in the way we treat people with breast cancer. So using drug therapy much more frequently. Uh, has led to much better outcomes for women, both with early breast cancer and those who are unfortunate enough to have a recurrence of their breast cancer and have to deal with ongoing uh, issues of that breast cancer. So we keep people alive for much longer now, even when we know we're not going to get rid of the cancer completely. So keeping people alive with secondary breast cancer uh, is a big part of what we do. What's happened regarding the prevalence of obesity as a, as a contributing factor to breast cancer or cancer in general, I suppose? Well, we see that the incidence of breast cancer is continuing to rise. And I'm sure that part of that is the issue with uh, being, people being overweight. So there's good evidence that diet does impact on, on breast cancer as well as other cancers. Obesity is, is a factor. It's also a factor with other health issues. So... I think it is something we need to ask people to be aware of is uh, their weight and uh, trying to reduce that and also doing exercise is very important. You said other health factors, so you know diabetes would be one of them. Indeed. So is it, over the years, has there been clinical complications because people have now got uh, a higher prevalence of, of diabetes and having breast cancer at the same time? Yeah. Does this affect treatment? It, well, it makes treatment much more difficult, so uh, it's much more likely that you'll tolerate the treatments and recover better from them if you don't have other health conditions, if you're in a um, an optimal fitness condition, that you're not overweight, you're not sedentary. All those issues can impact on uh, both the effectiveness of treatment and the recovery from treatment. So for early warning signs, um, what should women be looking for, really? So the, the usual presentation of breast cancer is an abnormal lump in the breast. Uh, and I think if you're aware of any abnormal lumps in the breast, particularly if they're hard and you're um, in a postmenopausal situation where breast changes are not happening on a cyclical basis with the menstrual cycle, then it's important that you go to your GP early and get referred as appropriate. Nice guidance states that uh, people with suspected breast cancer uh, referred to specialist services are often offered triple diagnostic assessment in a single hospital visit. What's the significance of that? Getting a cancer diagnosis early and making sure that we get those people into treatment, but also making sure that we've done the, the test quickly for those people that don't have cancer. So to remember that 
most people who present with symptoms that might be cancer don't have cancer. So um, actually going and getting the test, the test done quickly and being reassured yeah, that there's not an, an issue here and getting on with your life is very important. So what is that triple diagnostic assessment? So a triple assessment is taking a history, uh, doing a physical examination, doing imaging, which for the majority of people is a mammogram, but for younger people is an ultrasound, first of all. And if there are any abnormalities to feel or particularly to see on imaging, to do a biopsy of that. So get some tissue to see whether or not it is cancer. Um, if you think you may be at risk, where should your first stop be? I think if you have a significant family history, uh, go to your GP, discuss that with your GP. And if it's relevant, you should be referred on to a family history clinic. In your experience, what are, what are the current main challenges and, uh, well, the challenges in general in treating breast cancer? Still, unfortunately, in spite of having a very good screening service across the UK, some people, for various reasons, don't present early. Uh, they um, are concerned, perhaps, that the, the condition is not treatable. And I'd suggest to those people who are at all concerned that they do seek medical help quickly and that uh, we can deal with the issue. Finally, Professor Wardley, is, is there anything else that you would like to touch on which we may have not touched upon in this conversation so far? The fact that NICE uh, has been a, a positive influence for us in, in cancer treatment. Uh, we have access to most of the clinical, the effective drugs in breast cancer, and we've got access to lots of other very effective drugs in other cancers. So uh, I'd like to just say, uh, thank you to NICE for being so helpful in improving our healthcare system. I recently went to India and it's a completely different scenario there. So the value of the NHS is perhaps the other thing I'd like to make a comment on, that we are very lucky in the, in the UK having a healthcare system as good as the NHS. Well, thank you for the, the nice shout out. We really appreciate that. You're very um, welcome. Uh, Professor Wardley, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. Thank Wonderful. you. Thank you very much. Our next guest on the Nice Talks podcast is Geneva Rhodes, uh, a current patient and an advocate here at the Christie Hospital. Hello, Geneva. Hello, Nick. Why don't you tell us a bit about yourself? Um, well, I am age 65 and just recently retired. I have two children and three grandchildren and a great-grandchild that was born this year. I'm married to John and um, together we're rubbing along quite nicely. So um, what brings you here to the, to the Christian? Well, um, back in October 2013, unfortunately, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Uh, I went for a mammogram on the 1st of October and was told on the 5th of October that I have got breast cancer. Since then, I have had a total mastectomy with lymph nodes removed. Uh, 2014, I was suffering with backache and it wouldn't go away. And I went, had some tests to be told that it had spread. So I now have what they call secondary breast cancer, stage four. Um, it's in my pelvis, spine, dots on the liver. Um, I'm living with cancer. So how did you find the process from initially going to the doctor to the diagnosis to the treatment? 
I would say I felt like I was a hamster on a wheel running round because you went from being normal to having this big thing that years ago wasn't discussed. It was always the big C and now it's affecting you. It didn't seem such a big thing because you've got it. Um, but from operation to chemo to radiotherapy to trying to get better to be then kicked backwards with secondaries. Mm. You just felt that you were fighting all the time. Our guidance at NICE says that um, patients should have the opportunity to be active participants in their own healthcare. What was your experience of this? I think I've been very fortunate uh, because living in Manchester, having the Christie on my doorstep, having the National Health Service, for which I cannot fault. I've been very, very lucky. In fact, I've got, I feel, the best treatment possibly out there. It also states in our guidance it's important for patients to be well informed and understand what's going on with the treatment. Um, how well informed did you feel throughout the process? I think I was well informed. Whether I understood what was happening is another thing, another, is another statement. What I would say, and I'm an advocate of, never go to these appointments on your own. Always take somebody with you that can make notes and listen and understand what the professionals are saying. Because you sit there and you're listening, you're hearing, but every so often you sort of like fade out mm. and then you fade back in the room where you could miss something quite important. And luckily for you, Geneva, for you it was the gentleman sat across the table from you. <laughs> yes, yeah. between John and my son Christopher, they made sure initially they came to every consultant and every scan result day with me so that they knew and they were abreast of what was happening because they know that I listen to the first, the third, and perhaps coming on the end. Right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> what was the most challenging thing for you all in all? Was it, was it the mental thing? Was it the kind of having to go to all the appointments and all that kind of stuff? I think the most challenging thing for me was when they told me the cancer had spread and I had stage four. I'd seen it written down that I'd got stage four breast cancer and I went off to look to find stage five. Now, there isn't a stage five and perhaps somebody within these meetings had mentioned something about it being terminal and I did not hear that part, I don't know. But that was, that was sort of like my biggest challenge was to accept that it's, it's terminal. But after saying that, I'm not sat each day waiting to die. You're off to Madeira. <laughs> I love my holidays. <laughs> I'm doing what somebody once said is, I'll go skiing an awful lot. And I, it's spending the kids' inheritance. <laughs> Fantastic, yeah. I'd like to personally thank you for joining us today. Uh, thank um, you for inviting me. It's, it's, uh, it's, been, it's been a pleasure. Um, is, is there anything else which you would like to touch on, um, which we may have not brought up, which you think is very important to the process? One of the things I would say is to your listeners, if you get called for your mammogram, go. 
If you have to change the time, the date that you've been offered, change it and go. Don't put it in a cupboard and forget about it because the sooner you go for your mammogram and if there is a problem, the sooner your treatment can commence. Well, I think that's excellent advice, Geneva. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. And I wish you all the best. Have a lovely holiday in there. <laughs> I will do. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Nice Talks. We hope you found the information useful and remember to speak to your GP if you have any concerns about any of the issues surrounding breast cancer. If you've enjoyed this episode, please remember to click subscribe to keep up to date with our monthly podcasts. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn and Instagram with the handle at NiceComs. Thanks for joining us. Until next time.